Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hey, hey, good day and welcome to the Sing Second Sports Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is a podcast about the physical mission of the Naval Academy. This is a pod for Navy sports fans who want the stories behind the X's and O's. Today is September 28th and it's Air Force Week. Joining me today is Bill Wagner of the Capitol Gazette. Our producer, Chris Cervello, a resident of Palm Coast, Florida, is not with us today. He's currently hunkered down. Uh, at his home in Florida, this incredibly awful hurricane is bearing down on them. They're supposed to get something like 15 inches of rain. Uh, so please keep Chris and all of the Florida residents affected by this terrible storm uh, in your thoughts. Well, Wags, it's Air Force Week. Navy and Air Force meet for the 55th time on the gridiron when the two square off on Saturday morning. 10 Mountain. That's We got to talk about that. 12 Eastern um, at Falcon Stadium. This contest marks the first leg in the battle for the much coveted Commander in Chief's trophy. Navy is coming off a huge road W at ECU, and they're looking to get to two and two on the season. We'll get to that here in a, in a second, but first let's talk about water polo and Navy golf. Water polo, Louis, Louis Nicolau's boys hit the pool last night versus Mount St. Mary's in the ever-popular WAGs midweek fixture during six weeks exams. I'm sure all the mids love that. But the water polo team, even their record to 6-6 six and six and 1-0 and oh in their first uh, Mid-Atlantic Water Polo Conference play uh, match, they won 16-13 to 13 over the Mount. Nathan Duches uh, got his first ever Hattie, uh, three goals for him, and a bunch of dudes got capoed. Uh, Caden Capabianco uh, had 11 saves on defense. Offensively, the mids had a bunch of goals from a bunch of dudes. Hillen, Khan, McNew, Simpson, they all had two. Burzins, Linder, Pang, Will Clark, the co-captain, and Kyle Yelensky rounded out the scoring. Incidentally, Wags, Hillen and Linder, I think, are like one and two in overall order of merit at USNA, or they are way, way, way up there close to that. We'll talk to the two of them before the season is over to see where they stand in that competition, but that's what the physical mission is all about. So, Wags, before we get too much further, people want to know about Air Force. People want to get the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. What do you expect to see on Saturday morning? Uh, Mimosa and and, uh, Bloody Mary time uh, in Colorado Springs. Well, yeah, John, it's an early start, and uh, there may be a good omen to that because the last time Navy won at Falcon Stadium was 2012. That was when Keenan Reynolds came off the bench and replaced an injured Trey Miller. And Plebe Keenan Reynolds came off the bench. That's right. Yep. And uh, he led a come from behind victory, but he was actually saved from being the GOAT because he fumbled going into the end zone in overtime. And I hope I'm remembering this correctly. I was going to look it up, but I believe the offensive lineman was Jake Zuzek, who recovered... Zuzek yep. recovered the fumble in the end zone. Yep, and Navy wins. And so, uh, but that was a 9.30 start out there, which I did not remember it being that early. But so maybe these early starts are what Navy needs to beat 
uh, Air Force on its home field. Um, I'll be staying at the Navy Team Hotel in Denver, where you recently returned from. Uh, I'm staying at the Marriott Tech Center, and uh, we're getting a police escort at 6.40 in the morning. So, John, this is going to be a historic moment for Bill Wagner in his press box days. I'll be arriving at the Falcon Stadium press box hours before the game. Scott Strasbier is probably going to have a coronary when he sees me that early. He's not going to believe it. He's going to think it's an apparition. But I will be there because I'm going to try to follow behind that police escort because I-25, as you know, on a Navy oh. Air Force game day, is, and I, I'm really worried about getting from Denver to Colorado Springs. So I'm going to trail behind that police escort and hope to ride their coattails right into Colorado Springs. <laughs> I was on I-25 last night at 9 p.m. and it was bunk it was bumper to bumper. So yeah, I yeah. can't even imagine what it's going to be Saturday. Traffic in Denver now is a total nightmare. Yep. Well, so what it comes down to this, the uh, immovable object against the resist irresistible force, whatever you want to call it. But uh, Air Force has the number one ranked rushing offense in the country over 480 yards a game. And Navy has the fifth-ranked rushing defense in the nation. So that's, kind of, that's what it comes down to. Can the Navy rushing defense hold up against a very powerful ground game of Air Force led by, you know, Hazik Daniels is the quarterback. He's the orchestrator. Brad Roberts is the fullback, and he is A-grade legit. He rushed for over 1,300 yards last year. And then they've got some, you know, they call them just wingbacks or or running backs, halfbacks, but they're basically the same as Navy slotbacks. And they got some little guys that are quick and got some change of direction ability, so they're dangerous. And they they have a passing game, John. Um, not only did, did Daniels is kind of more the option running threat, but they got a guy named Ben Britton who comes off the bench, and he's a thrower. And they've got a great wide receiver named David Cormier, and uh, he's very talented. Look out for him. But Air Force has hit some big plays in the passing game as they want to do. Um, you know, you've got a powerful rushing game like that. You got to load up to stop the run and they'll throw it over your head once in a while. So this can be a great challenge for the Navy defense. I'm really eager to see what defensive coordinator Brian Newberry brings. They, they played air force really well last year. John held, held air force to 179 yards rushing last season. That's pretty good. Uh, unfortunately offense couldn't get it done. And that's the other element of this before we kind of move on. The Navy offense has to step up its game you know, a hundredfold off what have we seen so far this season. They've got to move the ball. They've got to possess the ball. And they've got to finish with touchdowns. You're not going to beat Air Force 17 to 10. I mean, you've got to get into the 20s to win this game, I believe. And that is not what Navy has done so far. In regulation, they are averaging about, well, they've scored seven against Delaware. 13 against Memphis and 17 in regulation against East Carolina. Yeah, Wags, Air Force leads the all-time series 32 to 22, including last year's 23 to 3 uh, victory um, against us in Annapolis. Uh, that victory then led to a series of events, as we all well know, and we don't need to recount them. But you know, this game brings out the emotion. Uh, our guest today, Alexander Teach, uh, former fullback and co-captain, you know, once was suspended uh, after walking off the field during the Air Force alma mater. These two teams don't like each other. I don't like Air Force. I don't know anyone who does. Um, but, you know, this is one of those games. You know, we always want to beat Army, but we stand arm in arm. 
uh, with Army. Air Force, I feel, has always been a different thing. And don't let you know the podcast listeners concuss themselves with eye rolls. You know, I know I did not go there um, to the Naval Academy. I did attend a service academy, but for me, you know, the real emotion of this game is is the behind the scenes rivalries that take place. Um, yeah, the, the turnbacks with Air Force during COVID, um, a lot of the sniping back and forth. How do you think the emotional uh, factor is going to play out this Saturday? Yes, you are right, John. There is a different tone to Navy Air Force than Army Navy, although that changed a bit last year. We don't need to get into that. But um, Air Force is a trash talk team. They always have been. Uh, you know, they're just, and especially on their home field. I mean, we all know their favorite thing is they got the the sign posted in the visiting locker room you are at 6,200 feet and then there's several other notices warnings about you know altitude sickness and how you have to be very wary so right from the beginning there's gamesmanship but yeah I mean Navy doesn't like Air Force period end of story Um, but Navy needs to right now Air Force has bragging rights because Air Force absolutely annihilated Navy in Colorado Springs in 2020 and then beat Navy on its home field in an ugly game last season. So Air Force has got bragging rights. If Navy wants to change it, they need to go out there and beat them at Falcon Stadium. Yeah, you couldn't be more right, Wags. And uh, you, Eric Catani, and Keenan, I know are going to break down the game with your preview this week with special guest Paul Johnson. That'll be amazing. But yeah, you yeah, we have to talk about the fact that Navy has scored just 10 points against Air Force in the last two games. And you just said that it's going to take a point total in the 20s uh, to beat them. And we have not scored more than 14 points in Colorado Springs since 2014. And that was a 30 to 21 loss to the Falcons. So we'll see what happens. I recommend everyone tune in later on this week to, to listen to the Navy football podcast preview this game with EK, Keenan, and Wags as well. Hey, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk to someone who has a lot of memories of this Air Force rivalry, former fullback and co-captain Alexander Teach. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Fall is in the air. Three more home games remain for Navy football coming this October. Don't miss any of the excitement in Annapolis this fall. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. And if it's fall, it means that basketball season is right around the corner. Navy men's and women's basketball season tickets are on sale now. Join us at Alumni Hall all season long as the Mids look to build off their exciting 2022 campaigns. In addition, this year, all Navy basketball season ticket holders will be entered to win an authentic Navy football jersey. That's the same jersey that they'll wear in this year's Army-Navy game. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. And we're about six weeks away, speaking of basketball, for this year's Veterans Classic. Join us for one of the best traditions in college basketball this November 11th as Navy hosts the ninth annual Veterans Classic. This year's field includes Houston, Princeton, and St. Joe's. The event begins at 6 p.m. with a matchup between Houston and St. Joe's, followed by an 8.30 p.m. meeting between Navy and Princeton. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. 
Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It is time for the alumni segment here on Sing Second Sports, and we are really happy to be joined by former fullback, uh, class of 2012, I believe, graduate Alexander Teach, former co-captain, someone who knows a little bit about this Air Force rivalry. Number one, Alexander, thank you so much for making time uh, to join the podcast here. And number two, catch the listeners up with what you've been up to since you graduated. Good to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me, and kind of nice little uh, listening to that spill about about Air Force because that is a uh, a bitter rivalry for sure. Um, yeah, we don't like them. Yeah, definitely not. No, I, uh, I, I my service ended in 2014, and uh, I got out, got in the oil and gas industry, been doing uh, business development for a hydro excavation company here in Houston, Texas, and covering the Gulf Coast region, uh, doing that kind of work. So before I let Wag start hammering you on all the stats, which I know he knows encyclopedically, you know, in his head, um, you know, talk to me a little bit about um, the emotion of the Air Force rivalry. You know, I, I know that you had a much ballyhooed incident uh, your senior year, um, but talk to me a little bit about what emotions are stirring uh, when you play the Air Force Academy. Sure, that's a uh, supercharged game. There is. I don't know what it is about Air Force. Uh, I don't – it might be the way they coach them. But, you know, a lot of us guys were recruited by both Air Force, Navy. Um, so you had some type of relationship with the coaching staff there. Um, and it just seems the way they, they come about – there's a lot of t- trash talk in the game. There's a lot of extra plays after the play. Uh, a lot of things happen on the on the bottom of piles that kind of get you fired up and riled up. And, and – um, to be honest, sometimes I didn't feel they were always very clean. Um, so that, that kind of took me – I had a bad injury against those guys my sophomore year um, that I thought was a dirty play on the bottom of the pile that, you know, put me out of the season for a little while. And I think that just kind of carried on from, from year to year, uh, just making it even more bitter. Well, Alex, it's so good to have you on. And uh, I will start by saying that, you know, when – Paul Johnson, who we're going to have on the Navy football podcast that I do with Eric Tiny and Keenan Reynolds, uh, he brought a different attitude on the Navy side because Fisher DeBerry and Air Force have been dominating Navy and Army, winning the Commander-in-Chief's trophy, and they were cocky and arrogant, and that's why how they got kind of the attitude mentality they did. And Coach Paul Johnson brought a, the same attitude to the Navy side of the field and basically, you know, said F you Air Force. And uh, when I'll never forget when Navy beat Air Force, and I believe it was at Falcon Stadium, and they had a great quarterback named Tim Jefferson. And after Navy won, PJ walked up to Tim Jefferson and said, you know, are you glad you picked Air Force now? Because that Navy had recruited Tim Jefferson very hard. And he basically told Paul Johnson that he's going to go to Air Force because they win and they've been dominating the series and Paul Johnson turned things around and I think Tim Jefferson never beat Navy if I'm correct so uh, PJ who we're going to have on the pod he can talk about how a lot of it is attitude and belief and you got to have a little confidence and swagger but uh, Alex what's your favorite memory of of Air Force Navy I mean obviously we don't want to talk about the senior year game that's got bad, bad memories but uh, I believe you had a nice win in there. In, in my time there, we, we beat them both my freshman and sophomore year. Um, junior year, I think we came up just short. I think it was a very close game. And even my senior year, which was a 
phenomenal game. I, I think if you remember, uh, went to went to overtime and <clears throat> there was a late. Uh, we were down huge. I think at halftime, came all the way back, um, tied the game up, go to overtime. And I don't remember if you remember the the personal foul Chris Proctor got uh, after scoring the touchdown, so it moved us back on our extra point. I think we had to kick it from uh, make it a thirty five yard extra thirty five. So. It was a thirty five yarder, and uh, yeah. and Teague had had a tough you know he had had a tough year that year and a tough game the game before, and I think he missed it right. I, I th- yep, that's exactly what happened. And I think just the the full emotions of all that that game kind of coming down uh, to the one kick and. Just the way it ended, I think um, I let my emotions get the best of me. It'd be a, that's one moment I think I wish I could I could take back. But the game itself, I always remember it being uh, just waking up Air Force week, you know, Air Force day, and and um, looking across that sideline, seeing some of the coaches that have recruited you, listen, listening to all the trash talk they had put in your ears over the over the course of you know being recruited and and uh, really just wanting to prove them wrong and uh, come away with a victory. That it's, it's a fun game. I think there's just because there's so much uh, notoriety between the two. You're very familiar with their staff and, and a lot of their players, and um, it's, it's a tough one. Well, I will say this, uh, going back to that game, your senior season, I'm on record as saying I, I, I watched the replay numerous times. I watched it live. I don't think what Proctor did warranted a personal foul penalty in a game of that magnitude. I mean, you don't – the officials got involved at a higher level than they needed to be involved. He scored. He was happy. He celebrated in the end zone. He might have woofed it on Air Force players. So what? That happens all the time. So I, I never, ever thought that, that warranted a personal foul penalty. No, and I agree. And if you if you were on the field and, and uh, were listening to what was say, being said on the field, that was probably one of the least flaggable offenses that, I, that happened that day. So. It is what it is. <laughs> right. So uh, Alex has uh, involved with one of my favorite memories of Navy football. And uh, I was going to just look it up in the media guide, but I, I believe it was 2009 because Coach Neamot was in his first season, correct? When mm, Navy played right. another game in East Rutherford, New Jersey? Uh, it would, yeah. It would, uh, actually, I think that might have been his second season in East Rutherford. Okay. Yeah, my junior year. Right. So obviously Navy had broken the streak, the long the losing streak to Notre Dame. That, that happened under Coach Paul Johnson. It's co- part of what catapulted him to get the job at Georgia Tech. Coach Nehemiah took over. And then the two seasons later, Navy plays Notre Dame in the Meadowlands uh, at East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, Brian Kelly was in his first season as the head coach of Notre Dame. That I do remember distinctly. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it was his first time really seeing the option up close and personal. And Alex ran wild. Ricky Dobbs ran wild. I mean, it was just one of the most glorious sights to see. Navy's beaten Notre Dame several times now, but Navy has never stomped Notre Dame the way it did that day. And I'll never forget Brian Kelly in his postgame interview said, Navy surprised us. They came out here and ran the veer. <laughs> and like, what, wasn't the veer. Like, uh, what, remind me, was it something to the linemen uh, made their splits a little wider than normal? What's your memories of that? And all I remember is you running through gaping the holes. And you had that one 
really long run, which did you did you score the touchdown or did you come up just short? Yeah, there's a couple big runs. Uh, I, I know Ricky uh, Ricky Dobbs and I had completed a uh, screen pass on on a third and probably ten on the first drive of the uh, first drive of the game that went uh, I think it was about 38 yards for a, for a touchdown. Um, yeah, there was a couple couple big runs. I do remember him saying that. And I was thinking to myself, this is the same offense I've been running since we were at Naps, which was uh, when we were at Naps, I remember Navy beating Notre Dame for the first time in 42 years and thinking, how cool, man, would that be to be a part of that situation? Um, and uh, to actually give you a little history on Notre Dame and me, I, my dream was to go to Notre Dame and uh, play for the Irish. I went on a uh, – my grandparents actually drove me up there to go to a football camp. Obviously, uh, they weren't too impressed with me, so they never recruited me. But when Navy came along and offered me a scholarship and said, hey, man, you get to play Notre Dame every year, I was 100% on board. So just, um, one, getting to step on the field with them and play against them and, and being South Bend from time to time was pretty amazing. Um, but going back to that game in East Rutherford, uh, it was one of those days everybody was clicking. We were all on the same page. I don't know if you remember the – the first drive of Notre Dame, they go right down the field, and then we stop them on fourth and one on the one-yard line. And that, that ensuing drive offensively, we went 99 yards for a touchdown. And I think uh, all of us kind of looked at each other like, you know, we're going to give it to them today. Um, I don't think we did anything special. I, I don't remember too much about the splits being too wild. Uh, it was just a day where everybody was doing their job. Uh, everybody was believing in one another. Defense was making big stops. Tawani had a heck of a game. I remember him sacking them several times, throwing guys around. Uh, Billy Arborough, some of those guys on defense just played out outstanding. You know, looking at those off the line and some of their draft picks that they had that year. Uh, and then offensively, they just – we just ran it, man. We just ran the fullback. We kind of looked like ECU last week for the guys. They just kept handing it to the fullback, let them pound it in there, five, six, seven, uh, three, four. And then all of a sudden, you, you gash them with a big one and – um, sometimes that, that formula works well and people need to make an excuse for it because you're just getting pounded. So let's just make it for the record because uh, I got my media guide out now. It was 2010, which was yeah. Coach Diamantololo's third season as the head coach. Ricky Dobbs and Wyatt Middleton were captains that season. And the final score was 35-17. It was a total stomping on both sides of the ball. Um, and uh, you may never, ever see it again, Navy dominating Notre Dame. And it should be pointed out that Navy had beaten Notre Dame the season before in South Bend. That was right. after the big losing streak was snapped. Navy went back out to South Bend two years later in 2009 and beat them 23-21. And wasn't, wasn't that the Ram Vela Superman flying, sacking Jimmy Clausen game? So that game where Ram Vela is flying, making that play at the end of the game and over I think it was either triple overtime or double overtime. I can't remember exactly. That was actually um, – I think that would have been 2008 when I was at Naps. The following okay. year, we played him in uh, Baltimore, which came down to a last play in the, in the rain. It was like a downpour. Yep. Uh, we ended up losing that very – yeah, we lost that game very close. And then we went to South Bend the following year, my junior year, and uh, we we beat him up at in South Bend. That was uh, – I remember Vince Murray and, and, and myself, we both had a bunch of yards. Uh, Greg Jones made some phenomenal catches and plays. 
think Mike Shoot might have caught a touchdown pass that game. I, I then, seem to uh, recall a defensive stop at the end. I was down on the field and they Notre Dame was driving in Navy territory and like somebody came up with a really big sack. I see. It, it was either a sack or an interception. I can't remember. Um, <clears throat> I do remember Jimmy Clawson throwing a hundred mile or hundred mile hour fastball. At, uh, I think it was Michael Floyd hit him right in the back and the ball popped up. And I, I want to say it was Blake Carter intercepted it. Yeah, and, I recall um, that too. God rest his soul, yeah, Blake Carter. Yeah, great, great human. Yep. And uh, but I remember him making the interception on that play and kind of sealed the deal for us. First, yeah, great memories, great memory. That's why I love talking to the former players that I covered. It brings back great memories for me, Alex. So glad to see you're doing well. We're glad you're an oil tycoon now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, keep up uh, the good work, and we look forward to seeing you soon, pal. I'll throw it back to John. Yeah, I'll be up there uh, for the Tulsa game. I'll, I'll see you guys. Oh, great. Well, Alex, as, as we go out and I ask everyone this, and I know that you have a unique story. You were, you know, you were a three-striper. You were a team captain. Uh, you went into special warfare upon graduation, and if it weren't for an injury, you know, I have no doubt that you'd probably be a leader in the uh, special warfare community today, and you're finding a way you know, to make a difference out there, how, how much did the physical mission and, and, and the lessons that you learned on the football field at the Naval Academy, how much does that inform your success today? Uh, it, it's, it's been unbelievable. Um, <clears throat> you know, learning how to sacrifice and, and go through trials and tribulations um, at the Academy, unique situations that, that challenge you both mentally and, and physically they're things that you they're kind of building blocks for for later in life for uh just your everyday life you know there's challenges and, and things that we face on a daily basis that um that i can resort back to the academy helping build me that foundation so uh when you do get hit on later later in life you're even stronger because that foundation that you built at the academy and, and through your experiences is um ma made you strong enough to deal with them um the academy was a beautiful place. It, it, um, uh, I'm so thankful for having gone there. It's opened many, many more doors. Um, gives me a great conversation piece when I walk into some of these places where there's a lot of West Point grads and Air Force grads and engineers. And so, um, it, it's a great school. It's a great place to be from. Uh, sometimes I think we get caught up in complaining about it when we're there, but you know, in hindsight, I go back and do it all over again in a heartbeat. Well, I think there's a great lesson there. And Alex, I really appreciate you making time today. Uh, we can't wait to welcome you back with open arms for the Tulsa game. And we hope you come to uh, many more after that. Thank you so much for joining the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Alexander Teach. We are going to go to break. This is Sing Second Sports. This podcast and all of our efforts to support it are not possible without the support of our sponsors. First and foremost, thank you to Scott Shooter, realtor and crew in Annapolis. Scott is the best of the best in Annapolis if you need a home. If you're PCSing to or from Annapolis, Scott is your man. Thank you to Academy Securities and Navy football alum Phil McConkie. Speaking of football alums, thank you to Tom Lynch and New Day USA Mortgage. If you're a veteran in need of a mortgage, you should be using New Day USA, period. Thank you to Scott Melamed and ProMD Health. Do you have crow's feet? Has your skin aged because of the sun exposure Ava Marie and I were talking about earlier in this podcast? ProMD Health in Annapolis has you covered. And thank you so much to 
Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar in Annapolis. We are entering football season, so if you need a drink before your reunion, if you need to check out the best burger in Annapolis, if you'd like just a great glass of wine before you head out on the town, Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar on Main Street in Annapolis are your places to hit. And now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and it's awesome being joined in this week's athlete segment by women's cross-country runner Elizabeth Sullivan from scenic Portsmouth, Rhode Island, one of my favorite places on the planet. Uh, Elizabeth, number one, thank you for joining the podcast. And number two, introduce our listeners to you. Um, how long have you been running with the team, and, and what's this season been like so far for you guys? Uh, well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Beth Sullivan. I'm from Portsmouth, Rhode Island, as you said. I've been running for the cross-country team since I was a plebe. So uh, I started like right away during plebe summer and then um, ran all of plebe year uh, up to now. Um, so far, the season's been going really well. We've had a couple big races. Um, it's been great to just see the team, all of our hard work that we put in over the summer is paying off. Um, we're gearing up for uh, a race at Notre Dame next week. So that'll be very exciting. And then uh, our big star meet against Army will be here before we know it. But we're in a really good place. We've been working hard. We have a strong pack, uh, really good depth on the team. So I'm excited to see where the season will take us. So, Beth, before I let Wags ask you about this, uh, you know, the Navy Invitational that just went by, you know, you're one of those special athletes. You're a firstie, um, right? You know, yes. it, and and what I like to refer to this current firstie class is like the the end of coveters, right? Like your plebe year, you know, was was really the COVID year. And now you've seen the evolution from total lockdown to now like almost total openness, you know, walk, walk our listeners through how challenging that was for you as a plebe, as an athlete, as a student at an elite service academy, hashtag number one public school in the country by U.S. News and World Report, no big deal. But in all seriousness, walk us through how challenging that was as a plebe and that how it developed where you are now as a first team. Yeah, so um, as a plebe, it was definitely disappointing. I mean, um, it's almost, it's nice to be home. I mean, it was nice when we thought it was going to be for like two weeks, like an extra time added to spring break. But then when it ended up being like, I don't know, five, six months, um, we we're definitely ready to just get back into the routine. And, you know, we came to the Naval Academy expecting to be challenged and to really grow. And we just weren't doing that at home. Uh, and then as far as running goes, uh, so my plebe year, the cross country season was normal. It was pre COVID. Um, we had a great season, but then during my youngster year, I think that season was very hard. We only had a few races. Uh, so a lot of it was just training and, you know, it's hard to really buckle down and get into training when you don't have big goals to train for. Um, we didn't meet the goals that we had when we were able to race. So it was a tough year. And then I just think like my second class year, the year after, once we started to have big races again and the season was a little bit more normal, we just like rebounded so strongly as a team. We had a great season. Like, I think it was just 
such a close-knit team and we really like relied on each other and it's probably the most fun I had ever had um and so far this year we're, we're just carrying that momentum we're uh using that as motivation to keep it going and keep kind of this culture on the team where we enjoy running together and we have big goals in running but we're also very supportive of each other and we just enjoy each other's company every day wax well, yeah, we should point out that Beth was second team all Patriot League performer as a plebe in 2019. So it was 2020 that was really affected for the cross country program, her sophomore season. Um, Beth, uh, I guess, first and foremost, uh, talk about the Navy Invitational and the Navy sweeping both men's and women's. I, I got to figure that being your ho- your event, you know, that, that has got to be really important for you all to win what did it mean for you all to perform so well and win that event yeah it was just a really fun event um we only have two cross country set home this year and the second one is army so that's you know a lot of pressure nerves are really high but i think this one was just fun for everyone like pretty much the entire team got to race uh which is like almost 25 30 of us um for me, a lot of my friends and my family came out. Um, I know for other girls, they had friends and family there as well. So I, it just meant a lot to like be able to do that together and with people that have supported us throughout running to be able to run on our home course um, and just enjoy it, especially like as a firstie. I think I just went into it wanting to have fun and um, enjoy running as a pack with my teammates. That's really what our team is all about, uh, just supporting each other, working hard together. And I think that really showed, and that's what helped us to win the Navy Invitational. So you mentioned about having a very good pack, and in this, at the Navy Invitational, Navy had the seven runners in the top 12, which is very impressive. Emily Booten was the top individual medalist, and then you know had Ellie Abraham and Mia Claire Kazal. Is that how she pronounces it, Kazal? I think it's Kizal. Kiesel. All right. And then Sophie Compton and yourself. Um, just do those names and that pack, does that bode Patriot League championship? Is that group capable of bringing home a Patriot League championship? And I hate to fast forward to the end of the season, but ultimately that's what it's all about. Yes. Oh, definitely. Um, I'm really excited, especially for uh, the plebes. Uh, Sophie, Mia, especially, they have been so impressive with their first few college cross-country races. Um, and I think a special thing about our team is that, you know, we had that group of five runners at the Navy Invitational, but then there's like six through 12 and they're right behind. Um, we've been doing workouts and there's like 10, 12 of us finishing intervals pretty much at the same time. And it just really highlights our depth as a team. So I think the exciting thing is that, you know, we're all, working hard together. We all want to be on that team that goes to Patriots and does well there, but um, we also rely on our depth. And we know that any one of us could be in those top five scoring positions. So uh, it puts us in a really exciting position, knowing that we don't just have one or two strong individual runners, but we have a whole team, a whole pack of strong runners. Well, I have to tell you that I was playing golf at the Naval Academy Golf Club the Tuesday prior the Navy Invitational, so last Tuesday, and we came up on number 18 hole, and you all were out there practicing, training, and we were obviously, these are Naval Academy Golf Club members, and they're well aware of this is your practice 
terrain and that we're the visitors, we're guests. And so we may be respectful. But one thing I noticed as we played alongside you all was the camaraderie that you had. I mean, I, one of my foursome members remarked that what could be more difficult than just going out here and running and running intervals. And But you all make it fun by your camaraderie together. I could just sense that how you lift each other up as you go through a grueling workout. Um, a, can you talk about that? And B, with a, can you talk about the oddity of training where people are golfing and I'm not as respectful as we are and they probably, you know, just hit the ball and don't worry about where you are. But can you talk about that? Sure. Um, well, I guess, first of all, the golf course or where, where we run our cross country races, it's a very difficult course. We always hit the hills and those Tuesday workouts, uh, we do them every week on the golf course. And it's funny because we kind of dread them, but we're also excited at the same time because we know we're going to put the work in and it's going to help us in the long run. Uh, but those are really tough and we really have to rely on each other, like cheer each other on along the way to get through them. Um, as for like training on the course with the golfers, um, I think it's like a two way street. Um, we have to watch out for them just like they have to watch out for us. Uh, I don't think I like personally have had any incidents where I've gotten hit by a golf ball or something. Um, and our coaches also are like really good about uh, planning the loops where we do our intervals kind of around the golfers and uh, making sure that we're not running as they're trying to tee off. So um, I think it's been kind of like a learning process for the coaches and for us as runners to uh, make it work, like sharing the course with the golfers. Well, if you see a gentleman named John Schofield on the tee box, be very aware because he has no idea his golf ball is going to go when he drives. it. So just be very careful if you see the individual you're talking to on the tee box. That's true. I, I have actually come very close to injuring a runner. Uh, and by the way, Beth, Wags is full of shit. He was not playing golf. He's out there at that wine tasting that was happening at the same time as your uh, Navy Invitational. Uh, you know, so, I mean, the only thing I wanted to know is if any of the wine tasting 5Kers uh, got in your way uh, in the middle of the meet. Well, hey, before we let you go, and we really appreciate you making time for us um, on the podcast. Yeah, you, you mentioned that Army is coming up. Um, you know, and, and, and then after that, you know, it, it really isn't too much left of your senior season. And then in November, that magical envelope arrives with your service assignment. Number one, reflect on what it's like to be, you know, ab about to conclude your Naval Academy career. And what do you hope to uh, service assign when November rolls around? It's crazy. I don't think it's completely sunk in that this is my final cross country season. I started running cross country in sixth grade and have done it like every single school year since. Um, but I think if anything, I'm very excited uh, for the rest of the season. I mean, from this point on, it's all out racing. So I'm really excited to see what I can do and enjoy the last couple meets with my teammates. Um, that's really like my favorite part of running is just having fun with my teammates and kind of challenging myself to uh, be able to keep up with them in races and uh, just finish strong together. Um, as far as service assignment goes, uh, so I have been recommended to go into the Navy Medical Corps and um, I'm currently 
uh, just waiting to hear back from medical school. So <laughs> I haven't gotten into a school yet, but uh, that's the goal. Uh, hopefully we'll hear back soon and kind of figure out where I'll be next year. Wow. Well, that is elite company, Beth. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you what your order of merit is. I'm sure it's okay. Um, but yeah, that is, uh, that's a fantastic and an elite group uh, to be a part of. Thank so you. we wish you luck there. You mentioned the rest of the schedule, September 30th, South Bend uh, for, I believe it's pronounced the Joe Piane in- Invitational. Uh, and then the Army Star Meet is October 15th in Annapolis. Please don't schedule any MWR wine tasting 5Ks on that day, ladies and gentlemen. Then Patriot Leagues, October 29th. And then your NCAAs, uh, your regionals, November 11th, and the NCAA championships, November 19th. Please, please come out and support women's cross country. Beth, thank you so much. We wish you luck. And yeah, if that envelope says, uh, says Medical Corps, we'll be very happy for you. And uh, hopefully we can bring you back on the pod to break that down for us. Thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Beth Sullivan of Navy Women's Cross Country. We are going to go to break. When we come back, Wags and I are going to bring this out. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, friends, one more set of announcements from the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Navy Volleyball returns this weekend to Wesley Brown Fieldhouse. The action starts at 7 p.m. against Lafayette on Friday night. Then on Saturday, the mids take on Lehigh at 4 p.m. Youth volleyball players grades 6 and below are encouraged to stick around after Saturday's match for a free youth clinic. And finally, and this happens to be my favorite announcement, the Kids Shipman Club is the official kids club of Navy Athletics. For just $20, your membership includes exclusive gifts, free tickets to Navy sporting events, a birthday card from Bill the Goat, and more. To register, visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. What a great pod, Wags. I don't really even know what to say about how great the conversation was. Um, And let's start the BZs with Avery Miller. Uh, She's been named this week's Patriot League Volleyball Player of the Week. She did a great job distributing the ball during Navy's two victories over the last weekend. She averaged 10 assists per set uh, and added 2.78 digs per set in the team's wins over Loyal and American. Again, bouncing back from that tough star loss to uh, Army. Miller first totaled 45 assists and 13 digs in the five-set win over Loyola and then posted 47 assists, five digs, and then two blocks for good measure. Hopefully she did the Dikembe Mutombo finger wag afterwards in the four-set victory over American. Uh, Let's tell you about what else going on this weekend. Uh, Men's and women's cross-country travel to South Bend. We were talking about South Bend. They'll be competing in, I believe, what it's pronounced as the Joe Piani Invitational. That'll be uh, starting Friday and through the weekend. As you well know, football takes on Air Force at high noon uh, Eastern. If you're on the West Coast, have fun with that 9 a.m. start. Uh, Poor a mimosa for me. Sprint football coming off of the big star win. They are at Caldwell on Saturday evening in scenic Caldwell, New Jersey. Women's golf, uh, Nadia's ladies host the Navy Fall Invitational Saturday and Sunday all day in Annapolis. If you are out in Annapolis, it is supposed to be a dreadful weekend. So who knows how much of this golf is going to get played as uh, Hurricane Ian comes up 
and kind of ruins our weekend. But if they get it in, let's hope that Nadia's ladies bring home a good result. Rifle hosts uh, Memphis uh, on Sunday. Men's rugby, they are undefeated and basically crushing everybody. will join the football team out here in Colorado. Friday night lights uh, against Air Force. Um, Wags, if you're out here already, I know you got an early call on Saturday. Try to take in the Air Force rugby game because Navy Wren's Navy men's rugby is dominant. They are undefeated and I think going to do great things. Murph McCarthy's Lady Ruggers are at New Haven for a match on Sunday. The Sailors are in action this weekend, as well as men's and women's soccer. Big, big Patriot League uh, fixtures for men's soccer and women's soccer. The men get BU in Annapolis on Saturday at 3 p.m. Another one that's going to be played in the rain Hopefully the women can get their match in without any rain on Friday night at 7 p.m. They take on Colgate. Uh, Women's tennis is in action in the Navy Blue and Gold Invitational all day this weekend. Go out and support them. And the aforementioned volleyball team, hot, hot right now. They take on Lafayette on Friday, Lehigh on Saturday, and finally, water polo. You can check out some water polo. No rain to be worried about there on Sunday Watch them take on Wagner at 3 p.m. at the Scott Natatorium. That does it for me. I'm out of breath. Wags, what are you looking forward to this weekend other than making sure you don't have an altitude headache on Saturday? Well, I'll be interested in that rugby game, and I may go try to check that out, John. Uh, Friday night, and it's in Denver where I'm staying, so I might actually find myself out at rugby. I think that'd be really cool to check out a Navy Air Force rugby game while I'm out in Colorado. So I I think that's going to be on the – list to do and then obviously the big uh big showdown on saturday um just uh looking forward to a great weekend of sports and i'm very impressed with volleyball kind of early on had some struggles lost some uh, non-conference matches and i feel like volleyball has really turned it up a notch um and i you know it's interesting we started the show talking about water polo i didn't even know mount st mary's had a water polo team in the first conference victory and you know, you saw that Louis said that, you know, it was a bit of a struggle. I mean, it wasn't their best effort, but a win's a win. Uh, and you can come away from that victory with some things to work on. So, yeah, looking forward to a great weekend of sports, John. Yeah, uh, me too. I'm going to be uh, – I'll, I'll be at a wedding in Richmond, which will be very rainy on uh, Saturday. But um, obviously, as I said at the top, we say it again at the back – um, all of our thoughts, positive uh, thoughts going out to Chris Cervello down there in Florida and everyone in Florida. Um, I think a lot of people forgot what it's like when a major hurricane hits the continental United States, and this is going to be an ugly one. So as we go out, our thoughts are with everyone down in Florida. Please stay safe, and we are thinking about you. For Chris Cervello and Bill Wagner, I am John Schofield. This has been the Sync Second Sports Podcast. Let's bring home a win against Air Force. We'll see you next week. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.